This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Basically. I am your host, Stephanie Preisner, and with me in studio today, I have Kian Corla of Dahl Aaron, Sean O'Farrell. Welcome to the studio. Absolutely delighted to be here with you, Stephanie. I'm so, so delighted that you're here. I am a big nerd and um, since being on maternity leave, Oroctus Television is on all the time. And sometimes people don't understand why I love politics, but sometimes it's like Love Island in there. Like there's such <laughs> bickering and fighting and you're there overseeing it all. Tell us about... Your role. How long have you been in it and what is the Keown Corla's role? Uh, I, I, you were on maternity leave. I was out sick for a while. And my wife was freaking out because I was watching her on this TV yeah. <laughs> all the time. And she says, for God's sake, do you not see enough of it when you're in there? What's it like? It's, it's well, I suppose every morning I get up and I kind of pinch myself and I said, God, it's an extraordinary privilege yeah. to be chairman of the of the of Aaron and to be in my second term uh, in, in that role. Um, I suppose, what's it like? It's a kind of a combination of being a referee or uh, a teacher in a classroom. Yeah, you're you're there keeping to order. keeping order, making sure that the rules are adhered to, and ultimately, I suppose it's about encouraging people to deal with with each other with a bit of respect. Mm-hmm. And that can be kind of challenging from time to time because people can get vexed and they can lose the run of themselves and they can lash out. And, you know, the public at home don't really like that. No. They, they might like a row from time to time, but, but they like to see their parliamentarians behave in a civilised fashion. Yes. And I think that maybe um, at the moment there's kind of a move towards... Certain political parties, actually they're kind of all at it, trying to get a, someone riled up in the doll so they can cut that clip and put it on their social media and reduce, the, you know, their, people are trying to be more antagonistic than I feel that they used to be. But maybe I'm just only recently watching it. But there's always like between Leo and Mary Lou or, you know, opposition and government are at each other's throats a lot more, it seems, these days than they yeah, used to be. I, I, I think that's true to to a certain extent. Social media definitely dominates the motivation uh, behind a lot of the engagements. And you can see that people are kind of setting themselves up for a nice little clip, clip yeah. that they'll get out on their social media. Um Interesting. This style is different to the last one. The last one where, where we had a minority government was there was far more collegiality, a lot less confrontation in mm-hmm. it because everybody realised that if they worked together, they could actually get some of their policies implemented. The government had to work with the opposition, or it couldn't uh, address its pro- it couldn't function, couldn't get its program implemented. And the opposition saw that they could affect change by cooperating with the government. This now, was when we were in a supply. That's in the last all when we were in a minority government situation. We're back now into confidence majority. Confidence and supply. Uh, that was confidence yeah. and supply. This is a coalition. Coalition now with a majority. And while, in fairness to the government, they tried to take on board some of what the opposition is saying, we are back to majority rules mm-hmm. and the government can have its way at the end of the day. And uh, if the opposition don't like it, the government have the numbers to vote through whatever particular measure they have in mind. And if your role, as you say there, is sort of referee or teacher in a classroom, does that mean that you necessarily, like, is your role to be impartial or are you part of a political party or how does that work? Um, I'm absolutely impartial. I w- was uh, a member of Fianna Fáil since the day... Um, I joined in 1977. That's a, long wow. time. That's a long time ago. But I have not been an active member uh, since I was elected to in 2016. That, by that I mean I don't go to any party functions. I go, don't go to any party meetings. Uh, I don't hold 
views mm-hmm. either in favour of or opposed to the government or the opposition. So I must be neutral in, in all debates. And that was one of the things that was very difficult at the start when I, I got can the imagine, job. Yeah. Because you're you're there and you're listening to debate going on and you have to keep your mouth shut. Yes. You really yeah. you can't kinda jump in and express an opinion. And particularly if it was around something that you were really interested in, you know, it was very, very hard to keep to, to, to shut up and just listen. And but you know what? Yeah. You learn an awful lot by listening. And like you, what you, kinds of things? Ah, uh, you learn that the wisdom is that nobody has a monopoly of wisdom mm-hmm. or a monopoly of goodwill. Um, you know, the op- the government's not all good and the opposition all bad. There's there's good ideas coming from mm-hmm. all sides, and we'd have a much better system at the end of the day if we could pick and choose, choose from opposition and government the best ideas that are available. And so, this is your second term as Count Corla. How how do you get elected? As Count Corla, is it a government appointment or has that changed? That changed in 2016. Okay. Up to 2016, the Taoiseach of the day, leading a government, picked uh, whoever he wanted. Which would mean that count, bias count, was... Count. Ah, yeah. More I mean, yeah. That, that, well, they normally yeah. picked one of their own. And then the, the, the norm as well was that the last Count Corla would come from the opposition side of the house. And Enda Kenny had introduced this Taoiseach, uh, Dáil Reform, and in 2016, for the first time, the members of the Dáil got to vote on who want uh, who they wanted as council. So, like, Cangora. do you throw your hat in the ring? Yeah, yeah. yeah I threw my hat in the ring with, together with three or four others in 2016. I was elected. Same thing happened in 2020, and I was re-elected. And you know that that's that's kind of a singular honor. Singular honor to have been the first elected, yeah, and then to be re-elected. Well, give you to believe you must have done something right, yeah, I during the first few years. You one know? thing that I really like about your style is that you don't really like suspending doll time, whereas previous Count Corla they might like you know there there'll be a big fracas between two parties and there'll be a suspension called and everyone will leave for a few minutes and that all kind of drags out. But you tend to do that less. Yeah, well, I I, I think in your personality you dictate a lot of how the place operates. Mm-hmm. If you are calm, now, a bit like the duck of the pond, you might, you might yeah. appear to be calm, but, but you're paddling furiously un- underneath the water. But if, if, if you're intent on keeping the show on the road, you don't lose your cool, you appeal to people's better... Um, Assume the, the best of people, the, yeah. Exactly. What used to happen was that members would jump up with a view to getting themselves suspended because it was a damn sure way of getting into the local papers if you were a TD from the country okay. or getting on to the local radio or if you're really lucky you might even make it into the national press. Yeah. TD Joe Blogg suspended for arguing or okay. what, what, whatever. I found that because guys wanted to do that that if you made it very clear to them from the start You're not going to get suspended I'm not, I'm not going to suspend it but what I will do is if you keep interrupting and you don't sit down I'll suspend the house and that creates a situation in which there's no plaudits to be got in your constituency for interrupting dull, dull, time. dull time and dull business and stopping the, uh, the parliament from getting on with its business so as a result in seven years almost now I've only suspended one one person and uh, the, uh, in the past my colleagues would have suspended maybe a dozen or more yeah uh, in in a term in a term yeah that that's that's remarkable and so to, are, are you still a TD 
Yes. So you have to be elected in your own yeah, constituency. I've, I've the very... Well, no. No? <laughs> Here's... When I travel, as I do quite a bit, I suppose, as part of the job, because other speakers and other parliaments come here and they invite us back on return visits and whatever. One of the unique things about the Irish Constitution is that it says that the person who's Count Corla on the day of the election is called is automatically returned to the next oil oh. if they wish. So in 2016, having been elected, mm-hmm. uh, I approached the 2020 election as Count Corla and was automatically returned for Kildare South. And if I'm still in the job when, when the, the general, election, the general is election is called, then I'll be automatically returned if I want to be. OK. Uh, you don't have to. You could decide you've been around long enough and you're going to hang up your boots. And do you still have to, like, do you still have to have, like, clinics in your constituency and meet your constituency? Or because it's an automatic, did some, was there another? Um, I, I don't have to. Yeah. Uh, and the tendency in the past was that Count Corla was somebody maybe towards the end of their career. Okay. I, I didn't see myself at tw- in 2016 as being uh, heading towards the end of my career, but I, I, do, I, do, I do now. But in 2016, I found that there was a bit of a backlash in Kildare. People were saying, oh, we elected that little fella. And um, <laughs> do you know what? He's he's fecking off now and he's he's kind of taken a big job. And he's not going to be looking after us anymore. And uh, I thought, oh, no, no, that's not... That's not what I'm doing here. Yes, okay. I'm, I'm going to attend to my constituency as I've always done. So I have two constituency offices, one in Newbridge and one in Athai, and I offer a service as well from my home uh, in Kildare. And we're as busy as we ever were doing the normal stuff of representations. What I can't do is get involved in any kind of party political issues. Yes. So if there's a, a big public meeting in Kildare about... Um, Farmers or about teachers or about I can't go along and represent slag, Fianna Fáil Fianna Fáil or slag or slag off the minister or the opposition or whatever I can't do that. Yeah, that's very clear. And how does it work then between yourself and the last Ken Corla? We have a very good working relationship. Um, she is a huge support, and uh, when I'm not available, she stands in. She chairs the doll. We do s- several hours each each day, and together with the last Ken Corla, I have a panel. Um, largest panel we've ever had in the Dáil of temporary chairs. In fact, I decided in the last couple of years that I would give as many members of the Dáil as possible an opportunity to be a temporary chair, to do a bit of training, to learn the rules and to get an opportunity to sit in the, 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 the seat and see how the place really operates, see what it's like to look down and and hear Parliament in, in, in action. And that's been really helpful and informative mm-hmm. to new members in particular. And I think it's also kind of helped to build their confidence that they know more about the rules of the House and they can be more confident when they stand up on the floor then and, and make statements themselves. Can I ask a kind of a silly question? Is there like a rule book? Do you get furnished with like some oh, sort geez, of manual? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a huge tome of things called standing orders. Okay. And there is a standing order to cover Every, every imaginable thing. Yeah. And when you look in on the television and you see the Count Corda sitting there and there's two people sitting in front of him, mm-hmm. that they're, they're clerks uh, to the Doyle and one of their jobs is if if I have a query, uh, check the standing ch- order, check standing order, this, that or the other and they'll they'll go and do that immediately and I'll, I'll have that pointed out to me. And as well as the 
the, the Standing Orders uh, tome, there is another publication called The Salient Rulings of the Chair, right. which record the rulings that have been made since the Dáil was established. Oh, wow. Um, so what are the traditions? What are the precedents? Okay. Uh, and again... There's you can pre- break them. They're not rules, but they are traditions. No, they're traditions and you can, you can, you can maybe break them. And I... I, maybe I break the rules sometimes myself. I I'll always remember that that time where I don't know who it was stood up and said "fuck you, De- deputy stack." Oh, um, were you you were in Cowcorner then? <laughs> I wasn't Cowcorner at that stage. No, uh, Paul Gogarty was yeah. a green, uh, a green TD in out in Lucan, and then apologised for using such unparliamentary language. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, we haven't had anything quite like that. Yeah, um, <laughs> it stands out. Some, sometimes there's there are expletives used, not obviously something I'd encourage. But isn't there? Th- there's a list of things that you can't say that's unparliamentary. Things like blackguard and like oh, words yeah, that we yeah, don't really yeah, use yeah, anymore. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there, there, there's a list of of descriptions <laughs> and words and terminologies. I mean, you can't call somebody a liar. Oh you, yeah, you can you can accuse them of uh, misleading or yeah. telling untruths or whatever, but you can't call someone a liar. A liar. Yeah. And do you? So it's your job to keep everything running on time. Yes. And ministers will say like, okay, you have eight minutes to speak today, or you know, th- they'll be told. Yes. How difficult is it? Really difficult. Yeah, because with, sometimes with, they don't. With, e- they know they have eight minutes, but they don't yeah. even care. No, no. That, some some people uh, are. In fact, in fairness to ministers, generally they're quite good and they stick to their um, their their allocated time. Some of the leaders really push the boundaries and and disregard the chair and get up and they want to say something and they mm-hmm. they just keep going and you can call on them to stop. You can tell them their three or four minutes is up, but but yeah. they'll keep they'll keep going. Now in that situation, you ring the bell and you ask them to stop, and normally the message gets through. I haven't. What does the bell mean? Like the bell is just warning them you're out of time. Okay, sit down, give up. And we've do heard you enough? <laughs> we've heard enough. And uh, sometimes, like I know from um, my husband's work, that sometimes the dog can run on like super late, like really, really into the night. Is that is that sometimes planned, or is that just an accumulation of people running over? No, it's it's all planned. Okay. Um, you uh, you really don't get very much additional time added for people running over because you can uh, you, it, it's measurable in minutes really mm-hmm. uh, in the course of, of 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 a day. But there there has been traditionally late night sittings of the doll. The latest I've ever been there was four four thirty. A.M. And would that be like a crisis, something no, huge Not at all, no. That could have been just some particularly difficult piece of legislation or whatever that had to be passed. Now, the truth of the matter is, when it gets into the late hours of, of the day, people are tired. You're not going to make the best decisions. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's not something that I think is to be encouraged. In fact, we've done a lot of work on seeing how we can streamline the way in which we do business, how we can modernise it. Mm-hmm. How Who would want, I mean, you, you've Aurora at home, you're yeah. not going to want to be sitting at work somewhere until 11, half 11, And some midnight. of these people sitting in the chamber yeah. are from all over the country, oh, from West Kerry, oh, like, oh, or oh, from yeah. Galway. Well, the funny thing about the people from around the country, they're less reluctant to stay late because they're up and they're staying in a bed in and a, breakfast or right, hotel okay. or yeah. an apartment or whatever. But But those who travel home um, they're they're the ones that are are, are, are most pressurised. But apart from the members, mm-hmm. there's a huge cohort of staff. Yes, yeah. That that service to the members, and 
I mean, it, it's at least an hour after the members finish when many of the staff team can finish. So we, we set up over about two years ago a, a, um, a forum on a family-friendly parliament mm-hmm. looking at how do you make the place more attractive for women, younger people, people from diverse mm-hmm. backgrounds. How do you create the sort of working environment that somebody would feel comfortable working in? And we're, we're trying to implement that. One of the things we're looking at doing is setting up a second Dáil chamber, a, a kind of a, a major committee room where the Dáil can do some of its business while other business continues mm-hmm. simultaneously in the Dáil. So if you like, two chambers running at the same time would allow a lot more business to be done and allow the day to end at a more appropriate time, seven, eight, maybe nine o'clock at night. I'm going to take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. Our sponsor is Rockwell Financial and they have a special offer for basically listeners. Rockwell Financial protect but also enhance the wealth of SME owners. If you own a small or medium enterprise or you are a sole trader in Ireland, Rockwell Wealth Management will protect and enhance your wealth and they have a free consultation for basically listeners. So call them up, tell them you're a basically listener and they will give you a one-to-one consultation for free. Your heart works 24-7. So if you're worried about chest pain, palpitations or breathlessness, it's really reassuring to know that expert heart care works 24-7 too. The Matter Private Network in Dublin is the only private hospital in Ireland offering urgent cardiac care all day, every day. That's weekends, bank holidays, even through the night. It's a unique service for patients who are worried about their heart and want to be seen quickly by heart experts at one of Ireland's leading hospitals for cardiology care. If you're worried about your heart, remember this number. 1800 24 7 999. You'll speak directly to a cardiac specialist nurse at Matter Private and they'll talk to you about your symptoms. And if you need to come to hospital, you'll get a thorough cardiac assessment as soon as you arrive. If you need treatment or a procedure, the cardiology team will work out the most appropriate plan for you. Even if you need treatment the same day, this will be arranged immediately. For urgent cardiac care at Matter Private Network Dublin, call 1800 247 999 or visit matterprivate.ie for more information. The Podcast Studios is the home of the Headstuff Podcast Network. It's where lots of our shows are recorded and we work on editing, promotion, videos, live shows and lots more. As a podcast production company with three state-of-the-art studios for audio and video in Dublin City Centre, we can work with you to tell great stories in a professional and engaging way. From government organisations to charities, arts groups to international brands, entrepreneurs to hobbyists, we've worked with everybody and we can help you to get the word out. Whether you need studio time, you're hosting a live stream or webinar, or you need support with editing or marketing, we can tailor a package for you. For more info, head to thepodcaststudios.ie. And for people listening who might not have much of a knowledge of politics, like what actually happens in the doll? Like are the decisions made in the chamber or is it sort of like, you know, we've already made the decision that this legislation is going to be passed. We just need to do the legitimate sort of, you know, bureaucratic stuff in the chamber. But the decision has already been made. Well, I suppose uh, what two two things, I suppose, principally happen uh, in the doll. You have general debates mm-hmm. which are open ended and and about areas of policy uh, are issues of concern and then you have legislation. Now the legislation by the time it gets to the Dáil and Shannon it's been drafted it's been structured it's been broken down into various sections and articles and elements Mm -hmm. and when it comes into the Dáil 
you begin with stage two debate where they talk about the thing in general, okay. what this bill is trying to do. When it goes through the various other stages, which includes been referred out to a Dáil and Shannon committee, where it's teased out in, minu- in minute detail and where maybe they bring in interest groups yeah. to talk about it. If it's something to do with education, it could be teachers, it could be parents groups and what, whatever. And they come in and they advise the committee as to how the legislation might work and how it could be improved or something in it that's objectionable. Then it comes back to the Dáil uh, for report and final stages. And at that then, the outstanding um, problems, if you mm-hmm. like, are discussed across the, the, the House, teased out. The minister responds. He takes on board some of the suggestions from the opposition. Others he won't. Um, he can bring forward amendments to the legislation mm-hmm. based on what he's heard coming from the opposition. Our opposition themselves can put down amendments and push it to a vote and hope uh, that they that they win. So it's that that debate is is painstaking. But is that debate actually happening in real time? Because I often see ministers standing up and they have speeches written, and sometimes it's them, or sometimes it's the civil servants that are writing them, or have. You know, so say opposition, they're obviously not hearing about this legislation for the first time and building their argument for the first time in the doll, are they? Oh, no, no, no. This no, is just... The, the legislation's been in the pipeline, all of it. Well, je- sometimes you'll get a bill uh, presented very urgently okay. to, to meet some sort of emergency situation. Maybe, Maybe the, during COVID the, or something. During COVID, or the Supreme Court makes a decision, strikes down a piece of legislation, you have to put something in its place it's very quickly. Okay. So, so that happens very quickly. But generally, the thing is pub- published... Uh, well in advance of it coming to the Dáil So this is just the formal opportunity for them to have their say and for it to be debated? Exactly, and to to tease it out. And hopefully through teasing it out, Mm -hmm. you get better legislation. And a good minister, in my view, is someone who'll listen to the arguments, take take on on board. board the good ideas and make the changes. That, that he that, thinks that are, that they think are reasonable because the minister isn't always when it comes to mm-hmm. any particular matter you know the, 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 the good ideas can come from any side of the chamber and I know that the doll sits on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday yeah. and not on Monday and Friday do you have to be in in around the area on Monday and Friday uh, I normally concentrate on constituency stuff yeah. on Mondays and Fridays but uh, the job will require frequently that I'll come to Dublin on a Monday on a, or Friday yeah. because there's a visiting delegation coming in or there's a launch of something happening or there's some event that, you, that you've got to attend. So focus primarily on Mondays and Fridays on the constituency, but you must be, the, the job comes first. Yeah. So um, if, 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 if I'm required to be somewhere, that's, that's where, where I'll be. That's where you have to be. Yeah. What's your favourite part of the job? Um, well... I tell you, the, the, my favourite part of the job is the hidden part because there's three aspects to the job. Chairing yeah. the doll and all the multiplicity of committees. Um, chairing the Rochdale Commission, which is the body that spends the dosh. Okay. We have 177 million per annum of a budget and I chair the commission that's responsible for that our accounting officer is the clerk of the Doyle but the third So as- that doesn't happen in the we don't see that Oh no that happens in a, a committee that meets privately uh, it's if you like the corporate governance side of things And uh, what's how does uh, that interact with like the dep- like w- with what Pascal Donoghue does or what Michael McGrath does Well Pascal Donoghue uh, decides how much money he'll give us okay. to carry out our, our function okay. and we get a, a three year uh, 
block grant mm-hmm. based on submissions that we make. And there'll be months of discussion between the Dáil and the Department of Public Expenditure uh, officials uh, debating what it is we want to do, what that's likely to cost, uh, and eventually agreement is reached on, on the, the envelope of money that will be made available. And what kind of things are those things that you've spent money on? Ah, well, at present, there's a huge digital transformation okay. programme going on. Everything is is being digitised and that's gobbling up uh, right. a, a, a lot of money. But, I mean, there have been the centenary uh, uh, events that, yes, have, yeah. that have happened. Um, but, you know, it, the maintenance of, of Leinster House... Um, uh, we had a commission meeting yesterday and we were talking about um, electric uh, PowerPoints. For electric, for electric cars. cars. Oh, yeah. We are talking about parking in the place. We were talking about, um, uh, we've got permission now to put in a bicycle uh, covered area oh, yes. where bikes can be. Eamon uh, Ryan will be delighted. He'll be delighted. <laughs> well, actually, Ivana Batchik has been one of the main mm-hmm. proponents Fair of... Play, of, of um, a cycle facility. Um, so, so that, but to go back to your, your question, what's my favourite part? My favourite part is the third aspect of the job, which is dealing with, um, I suppose, grandi- we can grandiosely call it parliamentary diplomacy. Okay. But it's dealing with other parliaments, with ambassadors, with visiting dignitaries that come into the country. So, Biden. somebody comes from, hey, we saw Biden, yes, yeah. President Biden. What did you that have was, to do was, with that? That was a big thing. Well, myself and Clark of the Dáil, uh, together with a lot of others, were kind of instrumental in the organisation of the gig in Leinster House. Yeah. Um, and it was a huge team here from America involved, uh, involved in that. But, you know, every week we would have incoming ambassadors or incoming parliamentary delegations. And you're required that either protocol dictates either the Count Corla or the Cahirlach of the Chanad or the last Kionkora, or the last Cahirk of the Chanet, one or other of those office holders must and will meet those incoming dignitaries. And I find that really fascinating because you're meeting people from right across the the world. And um, and what are they coming here to do? Like to speak in the doll or just... Oh, no, they're, they're not coming to speak in the doll, but maybe they're coming to um, lobby the Irish government about something, okay. uh, to promote trade between the two countries... Um, or simply just to build up uh, relations. I mean, last week uh, I met um, the uh, Peace Prize winner uh, from Belarus, uh, the lady whose husband was leader of the opposition to Lukashenko, who was jailed and she took over uh, the the party. And don't please ask me to um, name her because it's a very very difficult name to pronounce. but had a great, great honour and she was an absolutely fascinating young, young woman and she's leading, if you like, a government in exile uh, for uh, Belarus in opposition to Lukashenko. So it was, it was fascinating to meet her. And where but, do you meet these people? Is it like casual conversation or is it... Oh, no, no, they come into... They, 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 we, we, we've, we've a dignitaries meeting room where okay. we go and we'll sit down and we'll have an exchange for maybe half an hour, an hour. But that's uh, just kind of like a chat. It's not a formal thing. Like you just... Um, no, well, it's it it's it's hopefully a, I see them as working kind of yeah. um, meetings. Uh, for example, um, like that, would there be an agenda? Oh, n- no. Yeah. Okay. No. Uh, we but but I would have got a briefing. 
from yes. the Department of Foreign Affairs that would deal with the issues between Ireland and whatever the country was that, that I was meeting. And you know what? I think the best public servants we have in the country are working in the Department of Foreign Affairs because I have yet, after seven years, to have a meeting with any incoming delegation where the brief from the Department of Foreign Affairs did not cover absolutely everything, everything yeah. that, that, that might arise. And I, I, that's something fantastic. But it also uh, comes to down to, to your ability to read that brief and, pro- like, and, keep, you know, and keep those things in your mind. Like, I'm just thinking... That would be my idea of hell if I had to talk to a stranger and be like, okay, so I know the brief. Uh, I hear you like dogs, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Just, well, I'm really bad at that. <laughs> the thing about that, Stephanie, is I'll, I'll read the brief maybe an hour before the meeting. Yeah. Because when you're reading them time and time and time and time again, you won't retain yes. all, of, all of it. So, you know, I try to get an hour beforehand to uh, sit down, to and, sit read down and, and read it. Um, but, it but, but that can be terribly useful as well because... And, and I mean, there can be real product from that. I've been talking to um, ambassadors from developing countries uh, of late. Um, I'll give you an example. In Georgia, mm-hmm. where I'm doing a, a, an official visit, I think in June, um, Georgia is fierce, anxious to become part of the European Union. Yeah. They've high levels of unemployment. One of the things they've got are a lot of experienced, qualified drivers, people who can drive lorries and buses. What have we got in this country? A dreadful shortage of, of drivers. What did we do about that? We spoke to the ambassador. We've met with the minister and we've talked about an arrangement been entered into between Ireland and Georgia whereby the roads authorities would get together. They would look at the qualifications that they've got and they would try and marry them so that we could employ drivers from Georgia to to come here and fill the vacancies that we've got. Um, I've been talking to a lot of ambassadors, uh, again coming from countries with high levels of unemployment, about construction, uh, about the idea of getting workers into this country yeah, God knows to work them. in the construction field because we hear all the time that that you know one of the problems is With the housing shortage of, of labor of, of, of labor and I'm availing of every opportunity I get to talk to uh, ambassadors to see can we get people from their country formally to enter into a, a bilateral arrangement between Ireland and that country for construction workers uh, to come here? That's incredible when you can see like actual tangible change that you can affect uh, in your role. You oh, know, it's it, not it, it, it's, just it's, sitting it's, there with a bell. No, no. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, and th- to me, that's so exciting. I mean, several years ago, we had one of the more interesting um, kind of actions that I was involved in, that they all decided to send a delegation to Egypt mm-hmm. when Ibrahim Halawa was in prison. I yes. think you may remember that. Yeah. His father is the imam of the Klonsky Mosque and he was arrested and jailed and in jail for a couple of years. And I led a delegation to Egypt where we met President el-Sisi, visited um, Ibrahim Halawa in jail, had a long conversation with him and so on and so forth. But anyway, in the course of that visit, um, when the Egyptian authorities found out they were there, they asked for a meeting with us. Uh, the Minister for Aviation asked for a meeting with us. And it transpired that Ireland and Egypt had been talking to each other for quite a while about an air navigation agreement, whereby Ireland would be used as Egypt for a hub in its uh, travel to North America. Okay. Right? 
I came back from that and I'm chairman of the business committee of the Dáil which fits the weekly sh- uh, schedule and I became a thorn in the side of Shane Ross okay. by raising the uh, Irish-Egypt Egypt aviation. A- aviation agreement well eventually that was signed and now we have planes landing in Ireland coming from uh, Egypt it's very small numbers yet but that will grow into something very substantial yeah. in the years ahead so yeah I mean that sort of engagement gives you an opportunity to do something really meaningful. But I can see here like you're absolutely delighted in the literal sense of the word by, by, by that role that you get to fill. Is that something that's just part of your personality and your career ambition or is that a part of the function of the Ciancola or are all of these extra stuff that you do just because you're a great politician? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about great but uh, I look, I, I'm a doer. Yes, okay. Uh, I, you can I, see I, that. I... I, I, I <sighs> You could go into the office and do as little as possible mm-hmm. and you could regard it as this is something that's going to see me out to the end right. and I get a, a big pension yeah. at the end of it and I can sail off into the sunset or you can see it as something that gives you an opportunity to make, to make a difference. Make a meaningful and change. Dear, dear God, I've enjoyed, I, I really enjoy that and up to the last day, hopefully, will continue to be able to make a difference. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Absolutely fascinating. I really did not know that that was... I, I, now, I'm not being... I'm not belittling your role, but I didn't think that there was as much around it apart from the, the sitting and the being the referee and the bell and all. Um, so it's been amazing to talk to you. Sean O'Friel, thank you so much for joining Stephanie, us. Stephanie, I've enjoyed it immensely. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much. And thank you for listening to another episode of Basically. That's it for another week. Our music is by Only Ruin. Our graphic design is by Cahal O'Gara. We're produced by Julie Hassett and we're part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. See you next week. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.